This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada as it prepares to legalize and regulate recreational cannabis across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. So welcome to today's show. This is an exciting one. We have in the studio today, Tim Pellerin. Tim Pellerin is a senior vice president and chief operating officer of the NSLC, who most of you would know now are going to be the place you go to get your cannabis. So a little bit about Tim before we jump in and uh, and start grilling him with some questions here. Uh, Tim joined the NSLC as the executive team at the NSLC in May of 2010 and is responsible for the retail store operations and the evolution of the NSLC brand. <clears throat> I think it's safe to say we're evolving as we speak. Tim provides strategic leadership in all marketing, merchandising insights, and corporate social responsibility initiatives uh, to enhance the customer experience while also leading all network strategy and real estate state development. This sounds like a big gig, man. There's lots of stuff there, a lot of technical lots of stuff, stuff in there. there yeah. Yeah. With more than 19 years of sales and marketing experience, Tim has a strong track record of using customer research to develop comprehensive and successful marketing and merchandising plans. But I have a feeling, Tim, that in all those years of experience, you may not have imagined preparing for this. No, I certainly <laughs> could not. So here we are. You you have been told, and this is where I, I think I would like to start. You uh, are a part of the NSLC, all that stuff that I just talked about, and you find out that you are now going to be the distributor for recreational cannabis. Yes. Back tell to that me, fine day. Tell me how that goes over. <laughs> what happens to you when you hear that? Because correct me if I'm wrong, you, you were chosen, right? Like you guys didn't lobby to get this. This was a thing that you were told... You are now going to be the the retailer. Yeah, yeah I think uh, all good perspectives. So we are an instrument of public policy to a certain degree. Certainly, our opinions matter, and we were we were asked uh, to provide insight, not necessarily an opinion, on exactly where this might play out in the province of Nova Scotia. So, yeah, certainly after I I fell off my chair and got back up <laughs> yeah. um, and realized that we would be pioneering this approach globally, mm -hmm. really, and uh, all the uh, excitement and constraints. You mean, it, it was a, a real sign of trust in yeah. our folks and our people. So, you know, that part was really exciting. And anytime you get a chance to be something new, uh, the glass half full and me kind of guy was, was pretty excited right. to go at it. So, And I guess that's really the only way you could go at it. I mean, yeah. you're told... Even if I didn't like it, I right. would <laughs> So you've got to... I remember hearing a story one time. Uh, I, I, I talk about this all the time at the office. Uh, somebody revealed their new corporate logo to the company. Massive company. Doesn't need to be named. And I remember hearing the president got up in front of the, the, the company and said, there are two types of people who will respond to this logo. Those who love it and those who will learn to love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I guess in some sense, this was a little bit like that. Like you, you hear the news, you're going to be the distributor, the retailer. And I don't know what, if anything, you know about marijuana or knew at the time, but I'm guessing you've had to learn a hell of a lot since then. Yeah. You know, I, I think the good thing is we all knew, I think, as Canadians first, I'll put myself in that chair, that yeah. this was 
probably coming and coming in some way. And so knowing that we may play some role, whether it be a a wholesaler or a retailer, a couple of years ago, I began to familiarize myself with the category to a degree. And and we were involved at certain times about, again, providing some insights or white paper or data from around the world. A lot of our beverage alcohol suppliers too would come to us with information to simply show how it's affecting, you know, places like Colorado or Washington State or, or Oregon. So yeah, that was sort of from the connection to the NSLC. And then as a, you know, wine geek with a bunch of, it's too many hours spent on right, studying right. wine. It was, uh, it was definitely intriguing to learn it through the lens of, of a category, you right. know, not just another product. So, so it's a good point. You are a sommelier. I am. Yeah. And, uh, so I get the sense that you're the type of guy that if you've got to do something, you've got to learn about something, you're going in whole hog. Yeah, I think you've you've probably talked to a few of, of my folks. You know, I I do believe that to a small degree, you know, some information is sort of power and making yeah. you great at what, at what you do. Yeah. And so I took the opportunity to certainly um, study the category as much as I possibly can to date. But uh, I'm just you know still one of the few to just scratching the surface. But yeah. really doing it through a lens of how the NSLC could put it together in a way that is yeah. easy for the customer to to digest. So. And do you know why the NSLC was chosen? Um, You know, I think really not speaking for our shareholder, but certainly reinforcing what they've said publicly. We we have a proven track record of safely distributing controlled products to Mm -hmm. Nova Scotians. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, with the time frame of for all of us on top of it to get a lot of decisions made, infrastructure in place, you know, people in those chairs to do those jobs, et cetera. Um, our people are trusted. We have, a, again, a track record of IDing, controlling products, and delivering a customer experience that matches mm-hmm. a customer's expectation. So I think it's it's certainly a combination of, of all those factors. <clears throat> so it's been based, I guess it's been based on the idea that you already have the infrastructure in place to safely regulate another product. Yeah, I think that was one part in, you know, corporate social responsibility and Mm. and everything we do, you have to do on balance. You know, we don't sell product. I could sell a lot more beer if I sold it at 50% off, but that's not who we are or socially responsible. And so I think we continue to find that balance mandate between our corporate social responsibility and and consumption and the balances and the harms of some of the products and that we, you know, could potential misuse of our products in society against what we want to be as a progressive experience mm-hmm. right right um, and uh, yeah we're excited to be down that down that road how did uh, how did staff respond I mean I remember not long after the announcement was made I think was the first time I reached out to you and said let's talk about this yeah. like I'm not ready uh, <laughs> but I remember being in the uh, in one of the stores and I had mentioned it to the guy at the cash and I just said so you know you're gonna be selling cannabis and he goes yeah I'm uh, I'm kind of excited by that And I I thought, well, I wonder if I asked everybody what they would say. So was there any reaction from staff when it was first announced? Yeah, you know... As much as sometimes you you sit and think you can see all the intended and unintended you know reactions mm-hmm. or consequences of things, I was absolutely floored. I um, you know we, we kind of found out I forget the exact date we went public, but in December timeframe, late December, yeah. and I was doing my traditional holiday store tours for our core business, and I had everything ready you know in terms of a response of, of oh. different scenarios of of folks that I thought were going to voice you know concerns or or, sure. or some ambiguity. And I was absolutely floored at how our folks were embracing the oh, opportunity. Really? I think it showed a trust and confidence in mm-hmm. the quality of our people from from our shareholder. Yeah. Um, there was, I think a lot of folks in our network are 
entrepreneurs. They're excited. They like newness. They they like to learn. It's it's yeah. kind of who we are, and uh, and they said, okay, let's let's do this. And their questions actually, ironically, more about how we were going to do it right. versus okay, here's all the things I'm worried about. I think they also made the leap of faith that there'd be some the right controls and proper um, framework that we would do it right and right. do it the NSLC way. Um, so that so was, was kind of nobody, nobody on staff that was like, I don't know about this. I don't No, yeah. I, I think it would be fair that, you know, there is uh, out of 1450 people, a very, very, very small minority who selling cannabis was not something they signed up for. Sure. And, and therefore they can make that decision to, yeah, yeah. to not, we're not going to force anyone to work in cannabis stores to start. Yeah. Um, certainly I think there's an evolution of that, of selling cannabis is to a degree who we are now, where it's part of what we are. Right. And so, as you work for us or work with us, um, yeah. it's something that, you know, like 88 years ago when we started selling vodka and other mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. That people had to understand how they wanted to be part of that or not. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I saw, I don't know where I saw this. It might've been something you sent me was, was originally, uh, like, dude, there's so many ways I could take this conversation right now. I'm, I'm having too many thoughts. I'm trying to do it in some sort of logical I'm order, here. but it, it doesn't matter. But I, you, you sent me something and I, and I, it was a photo of a, of a, liquor store back in the day, whenever that was, it was very old and it was, everything was kept behind the counter. Yeah. And it was making me think about the current store design and how that is similar to, so let's talk about that for a bit, because I didn't realize that there was a time when the alcohol was behind the counter. Not that long ago, actually. Like when was that? I mean, we're, you were around the same age and call it in our (laughs) forties. And not that long ago before that, we were in a situation where our employees weren't allowed to give product recommendations because I was considered in a monopoly situation, you know, uh, uh, not, not necessarily above board. And so we've, we've evolved, we've given our people, you know, a quote unquote, a right to sell only for certainly, you know, decades, not tens of, not beyond those tens of years. And so, Hmm. um, and yeah, there's, you know, originally, you know, post prohibition, there was, there was walls up. And so when it comes to, our store design, if, if you don't mind, I'll take you back. Yeah, no, bit. I, I mean, want to talk so, about it. Yeah. So the, the day comes up that says, hey, you're, you're going to be retailing cannabis. And so as we kind of created these work streams, store development and real estate is kind of in my, uh, my bailiwick. And so I first had to figure out with our team kind of a base box, right? So say, yeah. you know, we had to pick one store, uh, is it big enough? Would it fit? And then when you get into how many products are we going to sell without even really knowing it? How many mm-hmm. people are going to come without really knowing it? Mm-hmm. Because we didn't know that right from day one. Now we've done all that modeling now and we, we've caught up to the final design. Then you take that, take that standard box, I'll call it, and then you manipulate it and go, hey, how can we cover geographic dispersion, how we can cover dispersion of where our people buy beverage alcohol today, and what stores just can we fit it in? Because we weren't starting from scratch with with new assets, right? So I'm glad you said that because I I was thinking about that, that at some point there was a decision that, okay, it's not going to be an external store, it's going to be within the store. So what, what was the basis of that decision? Um, well, I think there's an overarching, um, you know, philosophy here, which both from a product usage and from actually how we'll approach the category and I'll I'll term it low and slow. Right. And so how do you do this in a way that is, uh, you know, financially prudent that it still delivers on the expectation of the customer. And I'll say, Sean, there's a lot of people trying to figure out this, that. 
I love the Wayne Gretzky quote, like, you know, go where the puck's going, not right. where it is. Right. And I would argue, you know, some are extending themselves in a way uh, that, you know, a couple of years later, those big posts that are going to cost $300,000 to knock down and put a new wall, you know, that that's that's unknown right now. Right, so, I, right. you know, we try to create as much flexibility as possible within, you know, so many unknowns. Uh, so do you mean, for example, if you went out and you built a new building, just for argument's sake, you might get it wrong. So you go out, you build a new infrastructure, you put, you design stuff and it doesn't go well. All of a sudden now you're committed. Yeah. Are, are you sort of saying that this route gives you a little bit of flexibility? I mean, I know it's not, it's yeah, not I, a I don't, endeavor. you know, I, I, each province has so many factors they're taking into consideration. Mm. And even in that, they have to think about their current asset base, size, yeah. philosophy, et cetera. But for us, I think we are creating a model that gives us a certain amount of additional flexibility mm. that, you know, within a fairly short time frame when you think of the sure. total frame frame of the category, we're going to see edibles, you know, we're going to see probably, you know, consumable, you know, beverages, standard beverages. Mm -hmm. We're going to see vape, you know, type products that have to go somewhere, need shelf space, right. uh, you know, arguably need refrigeration potentially. Mm -hmm. And those are things that are, as a guy who builds stores every day and, and, and is part of a team who deals on, decides on real estate, um, it's hard sometimes to be flexible to add right. those things or take them away from a store. So, yeah. Wow. I see. That's the stuff that I wouldn't have even thought about. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, that's crazy. So, getting back to the store in a general sense, you've now you're challenged with this idea. We have to build a space yep. that could go any way. That could take any direction at all. Yep. So, I've got the store designs in front of me. Um, before I sort of talk about what I think of them. Uh, where did you start? Like, did you go, yeah. okay, what's the, what are we going for here? Did you go yeah. and you look at a bunch first? And I think, you know, and it's, you know, we've been out there public in the, in the dialogue on the store design. I think there's been a couple of small, you know, misses or clarifications there. There's some controls that we have to put in place and those are controls right. that aren't our choice. So when I, I'll answer your question directly. The first thing we did was you know, talk to our shareholder and, and get a, an understanding of the general sandbox that we could go right. with. And I was exceptionally proud of, as a taxpayer in Nova Scotia, as yeah. well as a lead at the <laughs> NSLC, how um, open and, and um, honest and uh, how collaborative that dialogue went. Right. So that let me come back and really set the sandbox, you know, not shoot at a moving target kind of thing. Right. So then when we went from there, there was kind of two big decision points we had to do. We had to make a decision that because we allow minors into our store as a company by adults. The liquor store. The liquor store yeah, portion. Yeah. We had to decide that if we were going to age gate the front of our store yeah. or age gate the start of our cannabis store within a store or zone. And so that, in other words, someone's at the front of the liquor store, yeah. out, like outside maybe. Yeah. Or they're in the store in front of this store. I'll give you a practical one. Yeah. I have a six-year-old daughter yeah. and she can come in with me when I buy my my beer, my mm -hmm. wine, or my spirits today, as long as she doesn't interact with the product and she's appropriately being, you right. know, controlled and handled within that environment. Yeah. She could not do that if we did not put a barrier Inside. to our cannabis right. portion. Right. So we would have had to recondition 17 million touch points we yeah. get a year in beverage alcohol if we would have age gated the front of our store. Yeah. So that was a, a huge first big decision. Yeah. That's so, a big one. <laughs> and that's a federal requirement so that no one under 19 can visually, visually see the product. Right. So we made that choice. So that placed us with a certain control at the front of that, the front of that mm -hmm. cannabis store within a store or zone. And then, you know, 
as we move through that, I think you're starting to hint, and we got into a little bit of that design inspiration side. Yeah. And so we went to Colorado. Uh, we've had folks go to Oregon, you know, Washington State, some of the more per, the newer ones in Las Vegas and, and Nevada and California, and said, who's doing this the best, right? right? Like, we're not competing with these people. Like, how can we save money, time, and, and sure. come up with a better end product? So we were inspired by a couple of retailers, in particular Colorado, because what you see in Colorado is two distinct things. You see folks who clearly have been there from the beginning right. and have a... I'll say a more medicinal medical office sort of approach. And yeah. some of my peers in Canada have decided to go that route. Or you have what I think we felt after going into so many of these stores was a bit more progressive with the appropriate controls approach, right. which is instead of getting in, registering, waiting, and then taken into the doctor's office, you know, in some ways, <laughs> yeah. have a bit more of a unison of that experience. Mm-hmm. So still have the proper control at front. But once you get in there, you're, you're really in there. And now you're um, interacting with the environment. Not necessarily, yeah, in the store, yeah, in that store, and so, um, and then again, federally, not allowing folks, uh, folks to be allowed to interact with the product itself, right? That's not our choice, you know. We're we're in a full service environment when you come into that store, and that's why you know some of the comments about behind the the counter and and post prohibition. Well, that's something that's that's mandated and required right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get into that stuff. I got a whole whole section of what people want to (laughs) know, or maybe I'll call it what people think they know and like to complain um, so I'm looking at the store design and uh, first of all I got to admit that I, I really like it I mean one of my one of my kind of concerns with this whole thing going forward was the sort of stoner culture aspect yeah. that that could be tapped into should anyone decide to go that route and what I like about this is that it's not doing that it, it, it feels like a store it feels it almost looks like the Apple store I guess in some regard yeah. it's yeah, very sure. open and clean and very sort of um, I want to call it user-friendly, but I guess what I mean is it's just, uh, I wouldn't say that walking into this store would feel intimidating, uh, unless you're worried about who's behind you in line and who sees you there, which I'm sure some people are. But anyway, I'm looking at these four posters here as you walk in through the line, the queue, right? So so the, the basically the way, the way the store works is you walk in, you line up in the queue, and you kind of wait. You can either talk to someone and get some advice on the product, or you can go straight to the counter. Is that correct? Yep. So there's these four posters uh, and their themes are relax, unwind, center, and enhance. And so I like this um, because I'm coming at this from a, if I know nothing about this product perspective, I'm immediately met with there are four categories that you can kind of tap into. And I don't have to know a lot about the product to know here's the category I'm looking for. So that's a choice that you made. Yeah. And was that influenced by something in another store or what yeah, was the... Yeah, was influenced by a lot of factors. I, mm. I think the first and most important to me, because I also um, lead our corporate social responsibility side, once we were in this, and as I've joked with uh, several folks, you know, I'm gone through the five stages. I'm at acceptance now. So you've accepted it's happening. So I'm accepted <laughs> that this is, is coming, and, yeah. and I now am tasked with a with with you know 1,400 of my friends to do this as best as we can do it. Wait a minute, did you go through some denial? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a weekend of, of uh, and again, not not denial that that federally the decision was made, just uh, of of mapping out maybe my next uh, six oh, to eight yeah. months and, and how we were going to squeeze that into my days. Yeah. But uh, but that's a lot of folks who've stepped up that way. Fair so, so when it comes to the what what I'll call you know uh, the, the experience guide, you know, to, to kind of to, to to brand it, it is. I thought, I actually, I'll flip it on you. I think it would have been irresponsible for us not to do it. 
because I think when you come into that environment and if we simply put cannabinoids, you know, sure. we put, you know, Technical CBD, THC, we'd really be saying to people, bring your phone in and go to whatever website, Leafly or a federal government website or a provincial website and go do all your research somewhere else Before you come in, to, yeah. to, to make the decision. And what we've done, not unlike our other categories on a, on a much more developed level, you know, we're doing this on wine and wine's been around for thousands of years yeah, right. to still help either our people sell it or people make the right choice. Yeah. And I think what we just said to ourselves is we wanted a guide for for which people to to have a general framework to to match the experience they're looking for. Right. Remembering every single one of the experiences here are are unique, you know, to the individual. Sure, yeah. So we're just we're really putting guideposts yeah. in to allow them to have a a language for the experience sure. that they might either already be having today and been you know, consuming for 30 years yeah. and not have a clue what it sh- should have been called yeah. to um, someone brand new and yeah. just giving them some some cues to start the start the journey together. Yeah. And I guess in some ways, you know, you know, I'm sure there are people that would see this and go, well, that's crazy. Why don't they put the street name or whatever the name is? But but I think what I like about this is that for the average consumer who, who maybe doesn't know that much, uh, or even for someone who has been using, it's easy to come in and look at one of these and go, okay, I'm fitting in that category. And now, and so what next? Mm-hmm. I, I'm in the line. I see these posters. I'm getting some sense of where I might want to go. Yeah. Now I can sit and talk to somebody. Yeah, I think there's kind of two distinct um, forks in the road in that experience that we see. One is if you are either highly knowledgeable in the product or really kind of know where you're going, we'll probably direct you into our core lineup and you'll still have a one-on-one service point when you get to the register, basically. Right. If you are a you know highly involved, you know, first timer, we're gonna we're gonna suggest you go down to this little zone that goes kind of beyond those posters we've just described. And there'll be some technology, so some tablet type technology. Yeah that we could walk through a bit of a quiz to say, hey, my first time, here's what I'm looking for from an experience, you yeah. know, and some certain cues that are appropriate. Or our, our, our staff will walk you through that themselves and right. they'll be trained to walk you through because I think, you know, we're really good at selling categories that have kind of a structure to them, right? right? You know, right. wine has a structure, red, white, rosé, bubbles, do, 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 do. Yeah, right. And so as complicated and sophisticated as this category is, it can be framed up in a way that probably yeah. 98% of the population, if I train my folks properly, will be able to deliver on the needs of that that population right, from, right. from day one. Yeah. And I joke with people, I mean, I'm tens of thousands of hours into wine studies, but someone who's worked in Burgundy, lived in Burgundy, been a negotiation in Burgundy, they can talk me under the table in Burgundy probably with in 10 minutes. I could hang with them for a little while. (laughs) And so if someone has been engaged in cannabis for years, been growing them all, you know, know, highly involved in the, in the culture, et cetera, you know, we're going to do our best to make sure that they understand what products we offer, but you know what, we're going to move along this continuum with them too. Sure. They're going to help us learn too. Right. Yeah. So uh, God, again, I'm thinking like three things here. Uh, I want to talk about the experience. My biggest worry when I see this, and I'm sure you've, I'm going to watch you turn white when I ask this question, (laughs) but I look at this queue and I go, my God, how long is that line going to be? Like, how long am I going to be standing in line? Yeah. And I don't know how you go about calculating this because this is a new thing, right? Yeah. Um, So how do you figure that out? Yeah. You know, I guess what I want to give you some level of assurance is we're calculating best on the basic knowledge that we can achieve. But here are some of the factors, right? 
so obviously the zone itself can only handle so many people. Sure. So there's fire codes, there's et cetera. So, you know, that's just a factor as we design the store. Yeah. Second is if you look at places like Colorado, there is a ratio of sales of beverage alcohol to cannabis that mm. you can kind of generally get some, again, a sandbox of numbers right, to. Right. Um, you know, the other one that is going to be probably got a bunch of layers to it is how many people decide to go online for their purchase. And they right. might do that because of geographic ease, because, you know, we're continuing to build on our store account. Yeah. Second is discretion, right? There's some folks for um, at least a generation or two might uh, want to be a little bit more discreet in their purpose because of some of the stigmas in their community or their, or their family, et cetera. And all of those factors are really going to come into play to say then how many people, and, and even as we've researched some of the Colorado stuff even time of day right like oh, beverage right. alcohol we're really busy on thursday nights friday nights and saturdays right, right? and the rest there's a very different kind of curve to it this category is is actually even different right yeah. and when and what day parts etc right so we're we're going to work through all that and i think the big thing for us trying to be as flexible as possible yeah. so that we don't constrain ourselves in any way but if i was to sit here and try to guarantee you you know no lines for the first two weeks it's impossible we're going to do yeah. everything can average transaction for a first time person we're looking at something like 18 minutes there's yeah. people who can go into our beverage alcohol store go pick up their keys 24 go to the till and be out within a minute and a half right, right? right. um so we're going to try to do our best and you I mean education is a huge part of that getting yeah. someone as educated as possible so I mean, yeah, I, I think the thing that we forget, um, you know, this is brand new. Like, like we're creating history here. And so, you know, I, I feel like the only thing you can do is make your best guess, you know. And I don't want to imply that you're guessing here. It sounds like you've done a ton of work to get, you know, model it and get what are these guys yep. doing, what are those guys doing, and hope that it works. But I, I have to imagine, first of all, that's got to feel pretty, pretty cool. You know, you're creating a store that sells cannabis. Yeah. It's never happened. I mean, not, you know, legally. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably happening outside our, our yeah, studio here yeah. right now. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think for, for me, you know, 20 years into sales and marketing, retailing type gigs, it is by far the most entrepreneurial that yeah. I've, I've got to behave, yeah. right? And so... Uh, decisions that have taken us years before, we're doing in months. Yeah. Decisions that have taken us months before, we're doing in weeks, and yeah. weeks we're making in days. And so, so you know, the, you can imagine, one, culturally, that's not comfortable for yeah, everyone. Yeah. But second, wow, if we come out of this and that's a new way to act and be even better, yeah. I, I'm actually pretty excited to see how this actually pushes yeah. through our organization culturally. I feel like this, you know, when you retire, you're going to look back and go, man, I remember those days when we opened that store. Like, who knows what it's going to look like then? But, yes. but uh, um, I would have to think that, I mean, what are your expectations in terms of we're going to launch this store. This is the current model that we're going to use and we're going to see how that goes. I'm guessing a year or two out, will it look the same? I mean, what do we think is going to happen? Like, so again, right now, the lineup, the education piece, you've got to buy behind the counter, right? So yep. you decide what you're going to get. You go to the counter, somebody pulls that out, they put it in a bag, this bag is sealed. It's like getting a prescription at the drugstore. To a degree, yeah. Right? To a degree. And, and I, I mean, I get it, right? I mean, we got to err on the side of caution, I think, before we do anything else, uh, for all the reasons that, that we've talked about many times. But do you imagine that it will change over time? Yeah, I, I think we would be exceptionally arrogant to think we got this right the first time. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I think we've a 
I know we, we've attempted to put as much flexibility into the model as possible mm. um, to, uh, you know, move the shelf, move the wall, you know, in our lifetime, you know, will the walls come down? Who, who knows, yeah, right? right? I right. think our our prime minister, uh, although I don't, you know, quote politicians that often, one that he, he hit me last couple of weeks is it's a process, not a date. Right? Yeah, right, and that really resonated with me because I say some version of that I yeah, think every yeah. day, and <laughs> we talk about you know if there's kind of fog in front of you, you wouldn't run 50 feet, you run one foot and kind of get settled, you run a few more yeah. feet and see there's not a ledge, etc. Yeah, so we're we're kind of we're we're acknowledging there's a process, and and you know what the customers and 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 industry out there who are, are maybe being a bit critical of of either philosophically the fact that we've been we've been provided this or or practically and don't lever you know design or waiting to see how it plays out. We're gonna listen to those people, right? right. Like we listen to our customer. We we bob and weave all the time in terms of yeah. um, learning from others and learning for other markets and and seeing where this is gonna go. So yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be open to that. So. That's a great segue All right. into <laughs> into what people have been thinking. I mean, you know, in my conversations about about this topic, uh, I'm sure you've heard all of it. Uh, it's very easy bandwagon to get on and beat up. It, you know, people seem to have all kinds of issues with uh, with the NSLC being the store. Um, and so some of the things that I've heard, I want to lob them out yeah, sure. and uh, and see what the Kevlar uh, yeah. is on over here. So, <laughs> so um, right away, the first thing I heard was, "Well, what the hell does the NSLC know about marijuana?" So, quick response: um, we are exceptionally good at selling categories with structure, and. Uh, most importantly, balancing that against a corporate social responsibility of ensuring that, in my in everyday case, beverage alcohol does not get in the hands of minors. Right. So that would be my response. And then, obviously, that was a policy decision that was was made by by others, and we're going to do our best. Yeah. And we're very uh, we're proud that we were given that opportunity. So I guess the question is really around product knowledge. So someone yeah. who walks in the store and says, you know. I'm imagining someone that has some level of um, information, some knowledge. I think the perception is these guys sell wine and beer, yeah. plus plus. What are they going to be able to tell me about cannabis? Now, the assumption I make is that, well, obviously, they'll be trained. Exactly. So... Yeah, so we are going to have extensive training for our folks. Mm -hmm. We'll start with, because of the time frame, all in training for anyone who's going to be working in the cannabis uh, area, store within a store zone itself. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're just finalizing our negotiations. So I can't kind of say the name, but an industry leader in cannabis education um, oh, to cool. ensure that uh, our folks are are provided in-depth knowledge from, from day one on how to sell the category. And I'll kind of go back without belaboring what I said before. The majority of our customers, we believe, can be um, directed in a fashion that meets their level of knowledge right. with what we're providing our folks, you know, from day one. Sure. Um, now, if our folks going to need to reference their little, you know, guide on products and remember what a name of a product is or something, absolutely, we're, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. human too. Oh, so they'll have a little like a cheat card kind of thing. Well, who knows, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's part of the training. You know, they're going to have to, but but even think about, you know, Sean, some of the things we need to even advance our training on on um, the definition of impairment, right? You know, yeah. with cannabis yeah. being so much more prevalent in our community. We have to make sure that 
that we're doing our best, just like a police officer has to when they pull someone sure. over to make sure we're not serving folks who are impaired, all the way from them going on to a Leafly you know, app and saying, do you have this product and, and using a street name that we then will have either you know some version of name or, or yeah. CBD, you know, THC structure, et cetera, to be able to match what yeah. they're coming in asking for. Yeah. But I think, I hope, and, and uh, when I say hope, I, I hope that we um, have identified you know, the right partner that will get to the right depth of knowledge at the right time. But we're going we're yeah. gonna to learn along the way too. And has the training begun? Uh, no, I mean, part of that training is the floating to the right date. So, yeah. you know, anytime you train anyone, again, I'm a, a wine um, trainer as well. How do you make that perfect time that they can digest it, do some self-taught knowledge and continue to absorb it and then be ready to go on the floor and sell it? Right. Now, I wouldn't want to do that today if I think we're, you know, we're several months away. So we're just going to time that and time our, our hiring to, for those stores at the same time. Do we know so. the date yet? I mean, I know it's changed. Yeah, you mean all I can comment on is out there publicly, and and that's what I would be in the know on. So you know, royal assent, you know, through the Senate, we're we're hearing you know roughly June seventh, if that happens and goes forward. Um, our prime minister, again, I can say it because it's public. Our, our prime minister has suggested he'll give each jurisdiction somewhere between eight and twelve weeks. Uh, we have been part of that process, consulting right. uh, with our federal partners on our readiness. And uh, my, you know, our organization and as well as those across Canada have, have certainly hinted that eight, twelve, sixteen week time frame to yeah. be understanding of any final federal decisions and then applying them provincially. Mm -hmm. So that would peg us just again, just math. It's public, you know, August 1st, September 1st, uh, could be a date that we see a go live potentially. Right. Yeah. I think the last thing I heard was summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's okay. Uh, sounds good. And you know, I mean, I reassure Nova Scotians, we will be ready for July 1st yeah. and we're pressing forward as if that's going to happen. The, date, the yeah. only really thing you have to be careful of, I don't want to move a bunch of people over to these roles and sitting around, not ready to, to sell and interact yeah. with customers. So that's probably the only nuance and it's summer. So you've got a lot of employees yeah. who are trying to have some little bit of vacation and, yeah, and right. enjoy life a bit too. Huh. So we're, we're working through that. I never even thought about that, to be honest, the, the, the shuffling that might need to happen within your staff and all of that. So, so would someone be, if if someone was working in the store and they're going to they're going to accept a, a role to work in the cannabis store, do they forfeit or give up the other role? Yeah, well, they would move over. So there's still uh, we've got great uh, employee base. We've got great partnership with our union. Those employees. What most is happening is either you have someone who is excited about the opportunity or passionate about this product potentially. Yeah. So they're they're putting their hand up and Saying, wanting I want to move to over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second and most exciting, like we're going to hire really a, around 70 to 80 additional retail employees. And we have such a strong um, part-time workforce in our mm -hmm. stores that they're now being given an opportunity to accelerate their full-time employment with us. Okay. Which, you know, if you're an employee part-time with the NSLC, you got to be a bit patient because of uh, how our environment structurally works right. to get that full-time opportunity. And they're, you know, it's our biggest um, hiring spree since 1990. Um, and so a lot of people are getting opportunities. Still trying to keep some opportunity to bring in new talent mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. capabilities that we're not turning our blind eye. There's a lot of people who know this category out there, may have worked in some of these U.S. states and in current dispensaries around Canada or regionally here and and make us better, too. I feel like you're reading my notes. Uh oh sorry. Because <laughs> that's where I wanted to go next, dispensaries. And you were making me think about it because I remember when I first heard um, about this model and the immediate, the immediate backlash that I heard within conversations was, what about the private sector? What about the dispensaries? Those are the people that know the product. And my first thought was, well, 
couldn't you tap into those people? I mean, couldn't you either hire them or use them to train or whatever the case might be? So let's let's talk about that for a second. So what about the dispensaries and the idea of tapping into that knowledge? Yeah. So first off, I think you've 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 hit on something that if these folks are engaged in the category, I mean, I've worked in a lot of categories we could chuckle about over my lifetime that either I was or was not a consumer of. Right. And <laughs> I've certainly never been as good as when I match my personal passions to what I do every day, mm-hmm. a- even though it's it's a factorial, we'll say it, it's a multiplier, sure, right? Yeah. So we would be, um, we'd be silly not to try to tap in where appropriate um, within the the rules and constraints of how and when we hire uh, to that community if people have interest in doing so. Mm-hmm. From dispensaries in general, that's completely out of my realm of responsibility. That's going to be um, a decision for you know policymakers, lawmakers, et cetera. And so we're going to do the best with what we can do. Um, there's 25 of those dispensaries or so out in Nova Scotia, and, yeah. and time will tell on on that balance over time of, of what happens um, from legalization, you know, formal legalization onward. But mm-hmm. um, we're going to be focused on on us. It's a good point. I mean, I think uh, people. I think that a large, well, let me rephrase this. I think some of the assumptions people make is that the NSLC has said, we're going to do this and we want the money and blah, 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 blah. I think, I think that people forget that this was a decision made by the government uh, for you guys to do this. And so some of the backlash you hear about the private sector and dispensaries, I don't know, it's a little unwarranted, I think. I mean, I get, I understand why people would want that to remain because that's what they know. And I think people know that they know the product. Yeah. So the new thing is probably a bit weird for people. But I, I remember thinking the one thing that people maybe don't think about related to dispensaries is the idea that they have to be able to regulate a restricted product. And and if I don't know what, if any, infrastructure exists in those in those dispensaries. And if nothing's there, can you put it in place in time? Yeah. And, you know, I think... That decision was, you know, again, a policy decision made by our shareholder. I think one of the most important things at the federal level was ensuring, you know, that a safe supply, and I know that word safe is a bit of a loaded word, but, you know, recreational cannabis with a known um, supply structure that could be uh, traced back to its origins um, to ensure that uh, if... You know, this was going to become legal. It was be done in the uh, in the safest way possible. Sure. And so, yeah, the you know, if, uh, who knows again where this where this goes over time? But yeah. um, you know, I've seen the the books of. Um, regulatory requirements for licensed uh, producers that they mm-hmm. have to go to get their license to cultivate, license to sell, and uh, you know, legally. certainly, yeah, legally, and and certainly, there's. One could argue a lot of quote unquote red tape in there, but wow, there's a there's a level of thoroughness and expectation that comes with that too on what sure. that end product with standards that it will meet for yeah. sure. Do you think that there will be a time when maybe the private sector gets involved? I think someone above my pay grade will make that decision, <laughs> and uh, we will do our best to, well to fulfill the, well the model as we as we kind of go go from there. Other provinces. But I think have... I think important there, Sean, is yeah. that we are though we don't take our are the expectation of us lately. So yeah, we right. have to do it as best as we can do it mm-hmm. to meet the customer's expectation. If we don't meet the customer's expectation on one end, or if we don't meet our expectation of corporate social responsibility and balance on the other, right. then we won't continue to, you mm-hmm. know, right, to regulate and sell this as, as well, right? It's, right. it's just, it's, uh, we, we're retailers, you know, first. And, and so we want to be great retailers with the appropriate controls yeah. and, and that's all we can, we can do and do our best. Yeah. 
other provinces have some level of of private sector mm-hmm. um, sales, and my understanding of those provinces is is that they also have current infrastructure for regulated uh, products. So it seems to me that if a province is doing that, if they are using some form of private distribution, that that model exists. Is that fair to say? Yeah, there's a couple provinces that have chosen to be the wholesaler of the product. Right. And so um, if you're not the retailer, um, owning the whole chain, we'll call it, then you are the wholesaler and you would be still... um, you know, forecasting product, we're working with licensed producers for the product assortment, mm-hmm. um, managing demand and supply as time goes on, and ensuring that safe supply then would be distributed to the private sector in those cases. Sure. And, you know, if you look at Canada, without my math in front of me, it's about half and half that, you know, gone some level of those, those yeah. two, two yeah. models. Yeah. Uh, what about the cannabis alcohol combo? Yeah. That's been a worry for some. Yeah, for sure. You mean I think that's the probably the one that we needed to get our you know head around the most. That mm. I will remind everyone, you know, we are pioneers in this space, and we're going to take that very seriously. We um, um, will have that as a core component of our corporate social responsibility message, and and the of our five pillars. The pillar that identifies that is we call it separate is best. Consumers of cannabis, especially new consumers, will not know how this product affects them, right? right? You know, right. how you use it, what kind of accessory you might use to use it, what level of certain active ingredients are in it. It's a very unique personal experience. Right. And so we strongly suggest, you know, understanding that on its own. Um, a lot of that multiplied by the interaction with beverage alcohol is something that's that's somewhat unknown probably for the majority of these customers. So certainly separate is best is something that we're going to, we're going to uh, reinforce. And, and as we've already talked, we put a, a fair amount of controls in place from the store experience perspective. Uh, what I'll say is we're not selling cannabis and that might sound weird to you yeah we're offering i'm it. listening we're offering <laughs> it right and that might be a little bit of corporate speak but yeah. I, I think you know we're offering it if you choose to want to be part of cannabis with the nslc you'll come into that store within a store you know you'll get some through you know past a few controls on our website to not just stumble into it right and and you'll engage with it and then we'll hopefully you know educate you along Provide that way a good experience yeah uh finally price point Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, again, people who I speak to who are users uh, are very uh, afraid, I guess might be a, the word I'll use, that it's going to be overpriced. Now, I have an opinion on that. That would be a mistake, in my opinion, because that would defeat the whole purpose. Uh, but where are we at there? Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, we're just in the process of finalizing our product assortment, uh, producers, and pricing. And what I can say about pricing without getting into the details is that I think the price available to the Nova Scotian to Nova Scotians is a, a, a appropriate premium to what might be um, you know uh, the majority I'll say of the black market right mm-hmm. now today um, you know there's going to be a cost to a, a safe supply but I think it's uh, well within the the confines of the policies that are the intent of the policies that is not make it to your point so exorbitant in a way that drives profit over the intent of the policy. Right. It is, yeah. I think, a, a really well struck balance of, of where we where it's going to end up. Yeah, I guess the fear would be if you, if it's priced high and and part of the goal is to reduce the black market, then people are just going to keep going to the black market. Absolutely, but, uh, and I think there's, you know convenience and um, 
and uh, you know the the safe supply side are, yeah. are two big parts of it. And I think over time, what people aren't realizing, even this delay, this slight delay, so much more supply is coming into the market right. that will drive costs down mm -hmm. for the producers, mm -hmm. and a portion of that you know cost reduction will be expected to be passed on to all of us who are going to retail cannabis. Right. And then how are we able to then continue to monitor what that price point that's right and strike that balance from a corporate social responsibility and deliver on the intent of the federal policy. Yeah. And and that uh, that gets me to this this idea of the product. I mean, um I I know for sure that you'll be selling the flower. Yeah. But there will also be other forms. Is that true? Yeah. So from day one, we'll have kind of, I think it's five, three or four or five subcategories. One is pre-roll. So for those who aren't used to interacting with a product and want to have it in a finalized form, um, and there might be a couple package sizes of that. Second will obviously be the flower itself. Um, third, remember, you know, in Nova Scotia, you'll be allowed to produce your own plants. So we'll have some seed packs as oh, well. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Um, no, I knew, I knew you could grow your own plant, but I didn't know you'd carry seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of our bigger conversations early on was whether, we, whether we'd have actual plants clones. that have, yeah, clones yeah. that in like in Colorado, it's very common, right? That, you know, because most of the, the, um, dispensaries are, uh, vertically integrated, they're making their own. They're right. also making those for the, for the end wow. customer, yeah. um, gel capsules, and then finally, um, oils. And those are all what is federally regulated at this point And we'll offer a, hmm. a, a version of all of those. And accessories, I'm assuming too. Yeah. You know, accessories are an interesting one. I was, you know, excited that we will, we were able to provide what I'll call the essentials, um, where you want to make sure that anyone who decides to engage with cannabis can do so in a way that within our confines, they can also purchase a, an essential or a basic accessory to which to go home and safely consume it. Right. And, you know, the thing that people miss sometimes is the appropriate accessory can also help from a from a low and slow and corporate sure. social responsibility yeah. because level of combustion and, and how you consume it and intake it. It can be a way to kind of self-moderate and learn as you go. So we're sensitive to, to all those as we're kind of figuring out our last um, assortment for the accessories. Yeah. And what about the amount of product? So I guess I'll speak to that in terms of strains. Yeah. Um, so here's what I might blow you away. So um, we've publicly said that we'll be as much as uh, 390 products, but let me break that down for you. So we have our kind of first eight stores, which are our smaller store, store within a store's um, versions. We have our Clyde Street standalone store, which is our kind of... Um, has everything in a store. I won't call it a flagship because we're not quite there yet, but certainly our largest store. And then we have our online store. So within that 390 maximum, we're working right now on a number between 70 and 79 different strains. Hmm. And so wow. some things to get people, you know, somewhat either feeling, you know, good from our offering standpoint or excited about, I mean, we're, we're, we've identified, you know, the top, 15 so strains on loosely um, on leafly's Leafly, um, yeah. um, top rated and we've been able to potentially secure as much as 10 or so of those 15 because what some of our counterparts have done you know in jurisdictions if they kind of got into relationships where they're buying uh, a certain supply or, or total tonnage of right. cannabis yeah but the more that our team has got into this. It's really about breath, right? right. As much as it is as depth. Yeah. So certainly we don't want to run out of anything, but we're also going to provide, 
you know, a breadth of assortment that within our smallest core eight stores, there'll be 130 different versions of the 70 to 80 SKUs. So a couple of our biggest sellers will be in bigger formats, right? Because we're ultimately going to have potentially, you know, one gram, 3.5 gram, seven gram, 15 gram, 30 gram of one specific product if it's the top seller. And then, so you've got, that kind of counts as five and then you've got 70 something of those. So it's like a SKU. It's yeah. basically called category management. Yeah. Yeah, it's, what our, it's what our guys do every day, right? And it seems so, so crazy to be talking about this in this context, yeah. right? Um, and what about the suppliers? You know what? I Again, I give kudos. We got a couple guys leading this file from us from a category management standpoint. They, they are true experts at building categories, uh, building framework, I'll call it, structure mm. within our environment, leveraging stuff we do in beverage alcohol where appropriate. And you know we're, we're going to have in the double digits probably in terms of number of suppliers. Oh, right? um, and yeah. we've learned through this that you can't just sign up to a, a big national player or go completely local and do it that way because the customer is going to expect that breath. You know, they're going to have some, mm. like you say, a street name or a product that they might be familiar with. And, and we want to be able to offer that from day one. But to yeah. do that, you know, this producer is only producing four strains. Yeah. This producer's you got 11. This producer has X. Well, you you kind of have to have that breath. And then you're, you're what we anticipate to be our highest movers. You need a couple versions of those sure. to, to just back yourself up, right? And do you worry at all about uh, any of those supplies running out? Yeah, you I mean I think the thing we can control is um, how much we buy, at what points in times we buy, you know, how we're able to safely secure and, and warehouse those products to kind of protect ourselves. But I think again, back to that fog analogy, there's you know everyone in Canada is fundamentally going to be going at the same day, and if everyone gets the the, the supply number wrong by half, you know, everyone's going to be in the That's same right. spot. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, just to give you a feel, like in Ontario and beverage alcohol, they're generally about 13 times our size. So if if they got their number really wrong and we have some of those shared partners, um, we're going to have to be um, really watching things on a daily right. basis. Where in beverage alcohol, we've kind of got a cadence to it. We kind of know mm. uh, how we're doing it and safety stock and time to get it, et cetera. This is a, you know, and this more is even just expiry date, right? There's a bunch yeah. of little things that we don't deal with as dramatically, I'll say, yeah. in cannabis that we had to, that we do in beverage alcohol. It's still just so kind of mind boggling, man. Like this is the, like, this is getting real. Yeah. Right? And this is the stuff we have to it's think about. It's been real since December for <laughs> yeah. some of us. Absolutely yeah. though. It, it's definitely, yeah. like we joke what, internally that some people are like, we had this great meeting a couple weeks ago, but a or assortment and products and yeah. the team did a fantastic job. And, and, a, and a good friend of mine, one of my counterparts said, yeah, this really feels real now. And I was yeah. like, well, what did it feel like six yeah, months yeah. ago when we were, we were <laughs> yeah. trying to build a store? Right, and you're having so. a, a meeting at work and you're talking about cannabis. Like it's yes. still, I know the first time, first few times we started doing that at the office. I remember just thinking like, this is a real meeting. Like we're yeah. having this conversation, you know, yeah. it, I like, I like the way you phrase that. Well, you can imagine a couple weeks ago, I had a, a COO of a major beverage alcohol company come into my office and my office was littered with, um, cannabis accessories. <laughs> and so, you know, Tim, that uh, a year, yeah, that a year ago might've been, uh, he might've asked a couple of different questions yeah, right. uh, when he saw that. You guys, uh, when you first announced the stores, you had talked about launching nine stores. I think now that's up to 12. Yeah. Um, my assumption is that you're announcing these as you become aware of what you can get ready in time. Is there a, 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 an amount that you're going for? Yeah, you've hit it 100%. You know, when we, we've already gone through store design a bit, but our first 
decision was based on sort of as much geographic dispersion on just what we could actually get done in time. Cause right. you know, I kind of, I can blink and it can cost me, you know, three, four months to get something done in one of our stores mm-hmm. and let alone cost, et cetera. So we wanted it to be, um, a responsible in our approach and also be able to deliver on our commitment on that, those first nine, right? right? After that, we had the opportunity with some great partners to work all the way through, you know, construction design and, and all the technical side of it. And then we started again and said, how can we fill in a few of those gaps as appropriate? And that's what we announced with the additional right. three stores. Right. You know, I'd say we're definitely in a, in a pause moment right now. Yeah. And let's really see now the balance between total transactions in store and online, yeah. geographic dispersion, customer feedback, uh, shareholder feedback, and then go from there. Now, not to say that I'm not working on a ton of stores, you know, mm-hmm. behind the scenes to simply have uh, for my shareholder or, or my CEO ready for if, if and when we ever need more stores, yeah. but there's currently no, so no gotta, plan for that. <clears throat> so. You got to know where they're going to be. Yeah. You yeah. Just, and, and, you know, eventually in our model, there's only so many stores that might be able to, you know, fit even with mm-hmm. a, a new format or something. So you, you have to continue to potentially evolve as the customer evolves and, and how the category evolves. I mean, people forget like overnight, the, the potential of this category could be as big as our wine business within the first two years yeah. from, a do- from a dollar standpoint. Right? Yeah. I think I, I had a guest on a few weeks ago, we were talking about, um, the compare, she had written an article about, uh, cannabis going mainstream in Canada and compared it to the wine industry. Now I might get the numbers wrong, but we're talking billions and, yeah. and the, the comparison of the cannabis industry relevant to the wine industry could be as much as double yeah. uh, or as little as half. I mean, that's the thing we don't, we don't really know, yeah, but, sure. but it, well, there's some smart economists and, yeah. and uh, I I'm going to get it wrong. Bank of Canada or RBC or CIBC markets, world markets yeah. put something out last week. And I want to say they said by 2025, you know, it could be as big as beverage alcohol in total. Or, total. Or, yeah. Or, you know, at least as big as spirits. And spirits is, is massive. Again, don't quote me, but I, it's big. It's a big number. And, yeah. you know, even just, you know, average transaction size and things that we think about, it's, uh, it's very different, right? You know what I find interesting about that, uh, and always have, to be honest, is if you read information about the, you know, the studies that have been done about usage, Right. And that, that percentage amount of Canadians that use or say they use, when you consider what you just said, is incredibly low. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if someone were to ask me, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but if <laughs> someone were to ask me, like, how many, what percentage of Canadians would you think use? I, I would say I would at least, I would start at 50%, and I might even go a little higher. But when you see the studies, they're like, no, 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 it's way less. Yet somehow the projections for the category are what you just said. And somehow we're worried about supply and demand. So yeah. I'm not sure. I got a feeling it's got but to I do think, with But I think, you know, we've been provided some consumer research around segmentation of mm-hmm. the population. Mm-hmm. And there is a large group of we, we would call rejectors, you know, folks who don't believe in, the, in, in yeah. it should be legalized or the proposition. But, um, you know, generationally, as we see each generation going by, I think that number is going to become less and less. Now, whether they engage in the category versus just are philosophically not as opposed to it, we'll see. And then there's a lot of people consuming today, right? Mm. So it's really that middle group we're talking to yeah. that in different social occasions, will it become part of their, de- their decisions? Right, right. And then ultimately, will they do that instead of beverage alcohol? Or, you know, it, it will it be a new occasion? And, mm-hmm. and those are, I think, really what drive those numbers. Yeah. Um, the Clyde Street store is the only store that I know is going to be uh, 
solely dedicated to cannabis. Yeah. And so the experience in there is slightly different, right? Um, yeah, the biggest thing that we just decided and a very conscious choice to decide to not allow scenting or nosing of the product within our core stores. And that was to protect 17 million transactions of beverage alcohol in the unique environment in which we're trying to put cannabis. But we felt it appropriate that one store could be a destination store for folks who would really try to achieve everything, which is also nosing the product. Cannabis is an exceptionally strong odor. Yeah. And so the best HVAC in the world, we wouldn't have been able to achieve <laughs> reducing the odor. Yeah. Um, and so we, it was a very conscious decision. And so what we're going to do in those stores, as you've seen some of our designs that have gone public, is try to use, um, you know, language of smell to right. achieve the same thing without nosing it. It's, it's, you know, it's not the best example uh, to, to get the best, you know, um, the best experience. But ultimately, we had to make that decision um, that in some markets, um, folks wouldn't be able to go to another store if they mm. didn't want to go to that store that had a cannabis odor in it. And, uh, you know, over time, we'll see where that certainly sure. plays out. Um, in most markets, there's a, a sister store or a second store that someone can, if they don't want to go to the store that has cannabis. We still have to think about odor control. You know, again, thinking of the details, uh, people at times may return product. There might be product recalls. We might have broken packaging. Right. And so we have to think about um, not only how we deal with odor, but how we dispose of product as well. Sure. So in the in any store, I guess, um, well, outside of the Clyde Street store, you will see it. Right, it'll be under glass or in a yep. bottle, and you can see the product, and you someone can describe it, and there'll be written descriptions and all that, but you can't open it up and smell yeah, it. Right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the, the you know the equivalent of, of scent in wine, for instance, right, mm. the cassis and blackberry and this and that, um, is the terpene, you know, a, a yeah. level of the terpene profile. So we're we've chosen the the um, both most popular and most prevalent terpenes that we're going to educate consumers along the continuum of, and from what we've seen, we're actually one of the more progressive in that. Because yeah. um, certainly, if you nose two cannabis products with with different terpene profiles, as as even a, a you know a, a common for folk, it really is a different it's experience. Different, yeah. And you know, cheese versus you know lemon yeah. versus pine, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think people would be surprised with how quite dramatic those experiences mm -hmm. can be differently. I feel like maybe you've uh, gotten a chance to smell a few in your product research. Yeah, we've been <laughs> you know Colorado. We were. Um, I was there with with one of my leads who was, was going to operate these stores, and you know he said, "Hey, you know, hey, wine geek, can you smell the difference between yeah, right. these two? And I, I put them back in his, you know, somewhat uh, common nose, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I said, "If you can, I think you're hard of smelling because yeah. these, these are quite uh, these <laughs> are quite strong. different, yeah, yeah, quite different experiences." What do you think about the packaging regulations? Yeah, Sean, I mean, this is the one that I would say I probably even put myself too far out there to suggest that we even know where this is going to go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we have certainly been given indications that in in a, you know, for sure a sealed format, because it has to be, um, but whether it's in a more prescription type, you know, mm -hmm. bottle, whether that's as small as a, a normal prescription bottle or something larger that has yeah. a little bit more real estate or, or larger sizes, um, or, you know, poly, you know, see-through, see the product, vacuum sealed mm -hmm. type things. This is a, a massive decision federally down, you know, because yeah. I work in packages my entire life to pivot even and invest your capital in having your, you know, your lines that can produce this product and, and et cetera, and put it into packaging. Those are, you know, multi-million dollar decisions. Yeah. Um, and then what happens often in industry, some of the, the bigger, um, 
um, retailers sometimes even dictate what packaging should look like yeah. along with federal guidance or marketing regulation. Yeah. And so I think this is probably the space that we feel most uneasy with knowing exactly where it's going to go. Right. Because if you look at our store design, we have in our core store 108 different spots, we'll say, that each one of those uh, product locations could be divided into three. So fundamentally allowing for 324 potential products in those in those you yeah. know, place. But that's based on what we thought was a standard you know, size, we'll right, call it. Right. If that's twice the size, half the size, that really will put different kind of pressures on us in a, in a retail environment. Yeah. I mean, you've got the, you've got to manage it from a I wasn't even thinking the size thing. I was thinking more the branding. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you've got to manage that, I guess, from two perspectives. And, you know, it, it, it it's funny. I mean, I don't know that I completely, well, I let me rephrase that. I do understand why the decision was made to plain package. I think it's a, a decision made uh, that errs on the side of caution. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely heard people say, well, it's funny, you can, you can't brand this at all, but you can brand alcohol and you can brand it. Although I heard recently cigarettes are now going to follow the same, uh, the same rules around, uh, uh, marijuana uh, so we'll see what happens but I guess we'll see what happens I mean you've seen Colorado they've 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 been allowed to brand all of that yeah um, and and it remains to be seen whether that is in what is um, inducing trial or 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 not yeah um, no, for sure I, I know it's tough from an LP perspective the licensed producers who have spent a lot of money already you know investing in packaging that now have to scrap it all yeah. And kind of create this this no package package. Yeah, I, I think, again, as, as marketers our entire life, I think what we're really getting at is differentiation, yeah, even to a degree, and say, yeah. should people have the right to differentiate their product, um, create brands, yeah. you know, and uh, and be trusted ultimately by yeah. customers because they're or in conjunction with that. And that's something that I think over time will tell, mm -hmm. you know, I think at minimum, at least consumers will, I think, you know, know who produced that product, yeah. the technical side of that product, yeah. and then have a trusted um, opportunity to repeat knowing that sure. that was something they enjoyed or met their experience they kind of wanted. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of still questions certainly in, in that space for Sure. Well, Tim, you listen to this show. I do. You've told me many times you've. you've I won't pump your tires too much, <laughs> but I, I do want to send a, a, a huge kudos to what you're trying to achieve here. You know, I think I say my five stages once I'm at acceptance, I, I think we all together can break down some of the stigmas of this yeah. category in yeah. the appropriate way, which is let's do the best to have people understand what the rules mm -hmm. are responsibly engage in in what that means for them personally or or their you know family members or their LDA yeah. uh, you know uh, daughter who's about to become you know available to to, to purchase the product mm -hmm. etc and uh, yeah I think just a, a real common sense conversation yeah. around where we're where we're going right we're all just, just trying to smart. figure it out we right? are, <laughs> yeah. yeah so have you heard anything on this show because I have to imagine that you would be, you would overhear something or hear somebody and go, God, you know, I have a perspective on that that you, you'd probably benefit from hearing. Has there been anything in the course of the episodes we've done where you went, man, if I ever get a chance That's to talk right. to that I need person. A, I, need a, I should have kept a book. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I, I think, again, part of it is is sort of this this show is, is a real common sense, you know, kind of shared attempt at understanding, right? Sure. And so I think there's at times either, maybe even the timing of the podcast was too, because now that you've been yeah. about 13 or 14 into these, yeah. um, things have changed even during that. Yeah. And so I think what people, um, 
have to get get their head around themselves is there always will be a philosophical debate of who should retail this and how. And mm-hmm. so that's no different than, than beverage alcohol. Um, so, you know, everyone's, you know, we're a, we're a great nation that we are because you have divided opinion. And so let us divide that opinion. Let's see. We've got enough models out there in Canada, the way this has played out, to see what might be working and not working. Yeah. And I've, I've spoken to, you know, several lawyers on this. We, we aren't even scratching the surface of all the unintended consequences right. that comes anytime yeah. things like this come to market. Yeah. And we'll pivot. We'll pivot federally, provincially, I'm sure as retailers and consumers, and, and we'll see where it goes. Um, but I think, you know, people really familiarizing themselves with their province, how and where they're allowed to consume, what's going to be offered and where and how. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that knowing that there's a federal you know, regulation that they're just trying to employ and, and, and do it effectively as possible at a provincial level. And then just p- people trying to figure this out and, and make it as best they can, right? Yeah, you know, every, t- every once in a while I shake my head and I think to myself, like, like we were saying earlier, like this is happening. You know, we're about to be able to go into a store and legally buy and consume recreational cannabis. And then you hear all these people complain about where it's being sold. Do you ever feel like we've lost the plot a bit? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, ultimately it's just, uh, it's a delivery mechanism, yeah. right. For, for the product. Yeah. And I think some of the things you've hit on today around, you know, pricing and, and access and convenience, et cetera. Um, you know, what's that, how do you just strike that balance? Right. Yeah. You know, it, it, the intent of the federal policy, it's, it's not going to change everything overnight. Right. right? right. We're, I think we're naive to think that, but I think if we're making the right steps forward towards mm-hmm. ultimately that, that end state, um, many folks like Colorado are five years ahead of us on this and still at the infancy of the journey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, just try to make smart decisions that are, um, you know, financially and socially responsible as you move along, mm-hmm. and and then react as you as you need to, right? Mm-hmm. So you have kids. I do. Two <laughs> beautiful daughters. <laughs> and uh, I wonder the day you heard that you would be the retailer for for uh, legal cannabis, how long it took you to get to that place of what am I going to tell my kids? Yeah. You know, it's, wow, you got me. I didn't, I thought I might know every, uh, every question or ish. Um, I haven't thought that through mm. as much as maybe I should have today, because as you've said in, in your podcast previously with some researchers, yeah. like there's people having those conversations with six and seven year olds. Yeah. And so I probably need to get ready for that. Um, but at the same time, I do believe they're going to grow up in a, in a society that this is, um, I say appropriately normalized, you know, with the right constraints and controls, um, whether that be from packaging and retailing and marketing and designs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if, if there's someone who is trying to strike that balance, I, I like to be the person who's trying to do it yeah. with, with a bunch of great people and, and try to, uh, to make sure we, uh, you know, we offer safe, accessible, understood, you know, products. And, and I mean, in some ways I feel like that the conversation with our kids it, 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 it's as weird as this sounds, it may get easier. It, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's going to be a legal thing in our society that just like alcohol and sex or whatever yeah. else you, just, you need to talk to them about, 
you kind of have to talk about this now too, which in Let's hindsight, just do it all one day and just kind of <laughs> knock it off and do it all We're going to take a long drive today, yeah, kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, the conversation with my 78-year-old mom, that might be a little different. Oh, right? yeah? Did you so, have that already? Oh, she's, yeah, she's, uh, you know what? She's actually been pretty great. She's she's said, you know, if if anywhere in any way, that, that's certainly one that yeah. she would choose. But uh, I think, you know, a lot of people are still, it's a very individual perspective, yeah. right? And, uh, and again, we'll all do our best to try to figure it out along the way, right? I'm sure your mom trusts you to make the right decisions. Yes, let's hope so <laughs> at this point. Um, what about you personally? I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about your role now uh, in it, but before you knew that was going to be your role, what did you think of the whole thing? Just the idea of it becoming legal. Yeah, you know, I didn't spend a, a ton of time on it. You know, I think I'm, you know, a fairly socially liberal, fiscal conservative kind of guy, as most <laughs> Canadians tend to, to, to lean maybe at times, depending on what's happening. And so I didn't really, you know, think through too much of it. I thought it would be something that um, would sort of be on the sidelines of my life to a degree. And it now is smack dab in the middle, yeah. you know. And so I, I think I've evolved in that thinking and, and, uh, and certainly, yeah, I don't, I don't really slant too, too hard either way. It might yeah. not be a great answer, but I'm, I'm not, you know, Opposed, but at the same time, trying to make sure that it's done, hopefully on on balance. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and that's and that's about it. I I if folks um, engage on it a daily basis, which I know you know people who do so today, mm-hmm. and whether they do that for recreational or medicinal purposes, I think we'll see time and research prove a lot of people right, a lot of people wrong, maybe. Sure. And, and let's let that play out. You yeah. know, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, I didn't really have a, a really strong slant either either way. Good. So opening day, whenever that is. Opening day. We should do something. <laughs> what, do what something? are you suggesting we do opening day? <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. That's right. Well, uh, we should do something at the store. We should go hang sure. out at the store and see what's going sure. on. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it, but yeah. I, I would love to do something opening day and get a sense for how that looks and feels. Yeah. And how, how you respond to that based on all of the calculations and guessing and information that you might have had. I would love to see how it feels when that first day is finished. Yeah, you know, no, you know? we, uh, we'd love to, uh, continue along this, this journey with, with good partners. So yeah. abs- absolutely. We'll figure cool. out uh, what, what makes sense. Well, Tim, look, uh, First of all, thank you for coming in. No problem. I know you guys are doing a an incredible amount of work to get ready for this, and I don't know that anyone really understands or truly appreciates it. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I wish you all the best in where things go uh, and in not only the ability to open up, but to get it right over time, as you said. I think that's a great way to look at it. And uh, and congratulate you on that, and thank you again for coming in. Yeah, no, thanks, Sean. I enjoyed the, enjoyed the time. So that was Tim Pellerin from the NSLC. And I have to tell you, we probably could have talked for a lot longer and perhaps we will. I wasn't joking about this idea of doing something on opening day. I'll follow up with him and maybe maybe there's something we can we can put together for that day. I tell you, the thing that stuck with me the most in the conversation with with Tim was this idea of getting to that place of acceptance. I love this this notion that you can fight it, you can debate it, you can question it, you can wonder all you want. The truth is this is going to happen. And I think what happens when you get to a place of acceptance is you start to open up to what this means, how it might affect you. And the best thing, as Tim and many other guests have said in the past, is to learn about it, to understand what's going on. I know there's a lot of debate about whether the NSLC uh, is the right way to go. 
And I think when you listen to what Tim is saying is a decision's been made and you got to make the best of that decision. He's of no pretense that we're going to get this right out of the gate. And this idea that we have flexibility as we move forward is probably the best way to look at it. I, I have no doubt and won't question the fact that they've done enough research to understand what's going well in some areas and what isn't. So I put a lot of faith in the idea that we may get this more right than maybe we'll, we will get it wrong. The other thing that Tim said that I loved and I think we've forgotten about as we navigate all the intricacies of, of what's about to happen is this idea of this great nation. This is about to happen in Canada. We are making history. And uh, I think we're pretty lucky. You know, you're going to be able to go into a store, learn about something, buy it like you could never do before. And um, whether you're a, a fan of this idea or not, it's a pretty great thing that we're going to be able to do that here in this country. You know, I, I watched him struggle when I asked him about his kids. And, you know, I think it's something everyone's had to think about at some point or another. And this conversation is now being forced. But unlike uh, maybe many of us who aren't uh, dealing with this every day and the core of their business is to, is to distribute that product, uh, Tim's conversation might be different when the kids ask, what that does it work? So flexibility, you know, within the store was a key for Tim. The training, obviously. I think you only can assume that the people that are going to be hired to work in this store will be trained as anybody would in any industry to uh, to learn to sell, discuss, and recommend those products. Um, separate as best was Tim's response to the alcohol and uh, cannabis uh, correlation there. And that's no secret. I mean, that's a, a conversation that's been happening all over the place. Um, so again, I can only assume that they're going to make the best efforts they can to make this an enjoyable and safe uh, experience for all. So that was Tim Pellerin on, on this episode of Turning a New Leaf, produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Thanks for listening. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. <laughs>